let's just get into the word tonight then, without further ado. Let me begin by sharing a story with you about a gentleman by the name of Tony Bullimore. He was one of the most experienced transatlantic yachtsmen. Now, what is that? Well, someone who likes to race in yachts across the Atlantic Ocean. And in 1996 and 97, he entered into a, a very well-known race called the Vondi Globe. And what that is is a single-handed, solo, non-stop yacht race around the world without any assistance. And so he and several other yachtsmen entered into this race. Now, just to give you an idea of what this course is like, it starts from a town in France, and they sailed down all the way down to the Atlantic Ocean, right to the very bottom of the southernmost part of the South America. And then they go around Antarctica, up and over, past Australia, past the southernmost part of Africa, and then back to the Atlantic Ocean, and back to where they started. Now, keep in mind that this race takes several months to complete. Starts from November and then end in February. Well, two months into the race, Mr. Bullimore runs into severe weather in the southern part of the ocean, which is the, around the Atlanta, uh, Antarctica, which is known for severe weather. And so he ran into a 50-foot wave that snapped the keel of the boat, causing the boat to capsize. So you can imagine his situation because he was upside down in a boat, cold, wet, and dark. Not to mention the fact that there was very little air, uh, air supply because all he had was just a few feet of air from the water level to what was once the top, the bottom of the boat. And on top of that, there were 50-foot swells. And also the fact that the temperature was hovering around freezing. So imagine his situation. And he was in that condition for four days. Four days. Imagine yourself being in a situation like that. Not knowing, I mean, not having any food. Not having any water. You're cold, you're freezing, and then worst of all, you're wondering if someone's going to find you. Well, in a situation like that, after four days under that condition, he hears a loud banging alongside of his yacht. It turns out to be the Australian Royal Navy, who was able to pinpoint his location and send a rescue team to go out and rescue him. And he, when he came out of the boat, the first words that he said was this. He said, thank God it is a miracle. He said, I felt like I had been born all over again. He says, I felt like a new man. I felt like I had been brought to life again. Now, this is a true story. Now, this ha you know, ended in a, with a happy ending. Unfortunately, there was someone else, another yachtsman, who was entered in that race, who was in that same race, who wasn't as fortunate. 
Now, I share this with you simply because I want you to know as believers that as you and I face our own impossible situations, our own personal struggles, I want to encourage you tonight that God has a rescue operation in place just for you in case you run into a similar situation in your life. I want to encourage you tonight that God still delivers, that God still rescues, that God is still in the rescuing business today as he was a thousand years ago or several thousand years ago. So tonight I want to cover three points. I want to talk to you about how God is a deliverer. How he is, that's, that's who he is. He, that's how he rolls. That is his modus operandi. And we're going to look through the scriptures to prove that he is a deliverer. Amen. We're going to look at how God does deliver. We know that because he promised that he would deliver us. And we're going to look through the scriptures to see the promises that he had made to us that he will come to our rescue. Then we're going to look at how he still delivers. How God will deliver us today as he did several thousand years ago. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So if you'll join with me, let's pray and then we'll get right into the word. Father, we thank you so much for what you're about to do, Father. We come expecting to hear from you. We come expecting to be encouraged by you. We expect to be, in, to be strengthened by you, Father God. We ask, Father God, that tonight that you'll use your word to strengthen our faith. Build us up, Father God. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for giving us hope and confidence in you tonight through the teaching of your word. Holy Ghost, we thank you for giving me the utterance to speak forth your word according to your will and your purpose. And Father, I thank you as I yield myself to you that you use me as your vessel to minister your word, minister life, power, and strength to everyone that is here today. Open up our hearts and let us receive what you have tonight. And Lord, for this we thank you. And give you all glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen Amen. and amen. Have you ever faced an impossible situation? Have you ever been in a situation where you know that you cannot get yourself out of that situation? You find yourself in an impossible situation. No matter what you do, you can't seem to find a way to get out of it. Have you ever found yourself to be trapped and can't find any way out? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where your friends can't help you? Your relatives can't deliver you? Not even your spouse can do anything for you. Well, tonight we're going to learn that there is one person and only one person that can deliver you and rescue you from an impossible situation. And even though it may seem like you can't get out of it, and no one else can help you, there is still one who's ready to throw a lifeline to rescue you from that situation. Are you ready to, to, to learn that tonight? See, I'm talking about an impossible situation. I'm talking about a serious struggle that people go through, and we realize that there's nothing we can do. See, and that's the key. Finding, being, finding yourself in a situation that you can't do anything about. Do you know the feeling of helplessness that comes with that? 
knowing that there's nothing you can do to help you in your situation. But tonight, we're going to find out that there is one person who can do that. If you have your Bibles with me, with you, go to Second Peter chapter two and let's begin. Understand that God has the power and the authority, both in heaven and earth, to deliver us from every situation in our lives. <laughs> go to in Second Peter chapter two. It says in verse seven, as he rescued righteous Lot. Greatly worn out and distressed by the wanton ways of the ungodly and lawless. Verse 8. For that just man living there among them tortured his righteous soul every day. And with what he saw and heard of the unlawful and wicked deeds. Let me stop there. Let me just explain to you what Peter is talking about here. He's talking about Lot who moved his family to Sodom. And was surrounded by the depravity and sin in that city. You know, it's like some of you may know what I'm talking about when I say that, you know, you, you go into a workplace. And most of the people that you work with are unsaved. And the environment is toxic. The environment is negative. Uh, people are backbiting one another. People are gossiping with one another. People are, are undermining with one another. You hear all this profanity and all these dirty jokes. And you being a righteous person, you being a Christian, being in a situation like that grieves your spirit. Do you know what I'm talking about? It just grieves your spirit that you just can't wait to get out of there. Well, that's what Peter was talking about here. That's what Lot was going through, but far worse. Now look at verse 9. Now if all of these things are true, then be sure that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly out of temptations and trials. Just as God <coughs> rescued Lot from Sodom, just as God rescued Noah from the flood, God is able to do the same for us today from in our wicked world. The Bible says that the Lord knows, just like in the case of Noah and his family, just like in the case of Lot and his family, God knows how to deliver us from a very wicked and impossible situation. And here's why. Because God understands the best way to rescue you and I. That's because he sees what you and I cannot see. You've been in a situation, you find out you're, you're, you're trapped and, and, and you can't see any way out. But guess what? God sees a way. That's why he knows how to rescue you. He's our deliverer. And so these are comforting words that Peter shared with the Christian church. But these are also comforting words for us today. And it's so reassuring to know that God knows how to rescue us. And it doesn't matter what we go through in life. It just, it's just good to know that God provides breakthroughs in our lives when we need them. Amen? Because God is a deliverer. Go to Exodus chapter 6. Well, let's look at some examples in the Bible. God is a God of breakthroughs. And we read the story, and it's a very familiar story, where the children of Israel were in bondage uh, under a very oppressive ruler. And they were in desperate need of a breakthrough. How many of you tonight are in need of a breakthrough? Amen. I think most of us here tonight... Well, here we get the people of God 
who were under an oppressive, under an oppressive rule by a very oppressive ruler. They were under complete control of this king. These people suffered severe and extreme conditions, extreme hardships, very oppressive. But in the midst of their hardships, God has something to say about it. You see, because God acted on their behalf, getting together a rescue operation to deliver them. And so we read where God began to speak to Moses, explaining to Moses this rescue plan. And in beginning in verse 5, God says to Moses, And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Verse 6, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Watch this. I will bring you out. From under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Notice the three things the Lord said in verse 6. As part of his rescue plan, he says, I will bring you out. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. All the three statements that, 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 that God said here indicates one thing. That God and God alone is the deliverer. Yes, God and God alone is the only one that can come in and interfere and interrupt this situation and bring them out from an impossible circumstance. Amen. Only God. God is saying, I'm the only one who can do this. You look at your own situation and you think it's an impossible situation to get out of. But God looks at it as as an opportunity to deliver, to show himself strong and mighty on our behalf. He says, I will bring you out. Not your friend, not your parents, not your children, not your pet. God says, I will bring you out. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. What God is saying is, I am the deliverer. But understand that Pharaoh didn't let them go right away. He was very resistant, very arrogant, very proud, very stubborn. But you know what? It doesn't matter what the conditions are. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter what the conditions are because God knows how to get you out of that situation. God knows how to rescue his people. And it doesn't matter who or what is controlling your situation. It doesn't matter who or what is controlling your life. God is the God who's able to lift up the weak and bring down the mighty. Glory to God. God says, in, it, God says to Moses in verse 5 that he heard their groanings of the children of Israel. Know that God not only knows what your situation is, but he also hears your groanings. Go to Psalm 116. Here we read where the psalmist Recall how the Lord heard his cry and delivered him from certain death. Psalm 116 verse 1 says this. I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my supplications. Verse 2 says, because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me. 
And the pangs of Sheol, which is the place of the dead, laid hold of me, and I found trouble and sorrow. Then I call upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Now look at verse 8. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. What I want you to see here is how God is so responsive to our cries because he is so compassionate that you can reach him when you cry out to his name. When we cry out to him, the Bible says he leans over and hears our prayers. He says in verse 2, because he, he, he has inclined his ear to me. You know what the word inclined means? It means to stretch. You know, when we're crying out to God in our prayer, God is stretching his body, stretching his ear to hear our prayers. You know what I'm talking about. When you're hearing someone talking, you stretch your ear trying to listen to someone else's conversation. You're sitting in the living room and all of a sudden you hear your spouse talking on the phone and something, you hear something to perk you up and you're stretching your ear to hear what's going on. Some people call that eavesdropping. But God inclines his ear. He stretches himself listening to the groanings and the cry of his people. That means he's aware of what's going on and he cares about what's going on. He leans and he stretches to hear the cry of his saints. Listen, if you're in a place of discouragement today, if you're in a place of disparity, understand this, that remember that God, God always is near. And God is always listening to every prayer and every cry. And he counts every tears. And he's ready with a rescue operation. When he hears your cry, he's just not ignoring you. He's preparing a rescue operation so that he can come to the rescue in your time of need. That's what God does. Understand that God is not oblivious to your situation. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. In Psalm 31 and verse 7, you don't need to turn there, but Psalm 31 7 says this, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love. Watch this. For you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. In other words, he feels your pain. He sees your tears, and he cares about what's going on in your life. Amen. In other words, when God hears and knows and sees your situation, get ready. Because God is about to throw you a lifeline to rescue you. And bring you to a place of safety. So no matter what kind of mess you find yourself in today, be encouraged because this can be your season to be rescued. This can be your season for breakthrough. Now, let me stop here for a moment and just say say this. I believe somebody needs to hear this tonight. Some of you are going through stuff as a result of the consequences of your actions. Decisions that you've made that you knew you shouldn't have made and regret making. Actions that you took that you knew you shouldn't have taken and regret taking. 
But if you humble yourself before the Lord, acknowledge what you've done, take responsibility for your actions, and then repent before the Lord, let me encourage you that your rescue will also be on the way. Amen. 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 And I think somebody needs to hear that tonight. Deliverance will also come for you if you do those things. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Oh my goodness, what happened to the clock? It could be 9 o'clock and I don't even know it. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have to... Okay, there we go. Thank you. Let's look at some examples of God's rescue operation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, it says this, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren... Of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Now, in verse 8, Paul explained how he was near death. Excuse me. And there was no hope of rescue. The Amplified Version says it clearly. It says this. For we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and oppressing distress which befell us in the province of Asia. He says how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we despaired even of life itself. Now, Paul didn't go into great details with the Corinthians church uh, concerning what he had gone through in the Asia Minor. But all we know is that he was afraid for his life. He expressed that he was under tremendous pressure and was overwhelmed far beyond his human abilities can endure. And he even despaired in life and felt a sentence of death. In other words, he didn't believe that he was going to get through it. He expected to die. He was in a very terrible situation, a very dangerous situation. And he thought he wasn't going to make it. Verse 9 says, yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Now look at verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us and whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Notice how Paul makes reference of the word deliverance three times. The word deliver literally means to rescue. This word implies that somebody who is in serious trouble, who is in an impossible situation, from which they cannot themselves get out of, yet someone being, but yet somehow being rescued by someone that is far greater and far more powerful. That's what the word implies. And so Paul makes a very important statement here about God, who is the greater power, that God has delivered that God does deliver, and that God still delivers. Amen. I want you to say that with me. Say, God has delivered, God, has delivered. God does deliver, God does deliver. And, God and God still delivers. So what Paul was sure of, what Paul was absolutely certain of, was his trust that God would deliver him from any danger of threat, any, 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 any danger of uh, uh, threats of, of death, any type of persecution he was certain that God would deliver him out of all those things why 
Because he had a call upon his life. There was a divine call. And God wanted to make sure that nothing happened to Paul until he completed the task that God had given him. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. So God made sure that even though he went through some stuff, he made sure that he came out of that because God had a call upon his life. God had a work to do. God had a task for him to complete. In the same way that God has a task for every one of us to complete. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul had such a powerful testimony because of his demonstration of faith and confidence in God. Because God had rescued him so many times throughout his whole ministry that, God, that, that Paul knew that no matter what he faced, he knew that God was going to bring him out of that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning verse 10 says this, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love and perseverance. Verse 11. Carefully followed my persecutions and afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all... The Lord delivered me. He says in verse 11, what persecutions I endured. Now, Paul doesn't go into any details about that. But if you read Acts chapter 13 and 14, you get some insight as to what Paul was talking about. So let me give you a highlight of what happened. In Antioch, him and Barnabas came in to preach the gospel. But the Jews there did not like that. So they did everything they could to try to drive them out of the city. As a matter of fact, that's what they did. Drove them right out of the city. But then they entered into Iconium. And when they entered in there and began to preach the gospel, things were working pretty good. But then all of a sudden it turned against them. And violent attempts were made to stone them and to do harm. To the point where they heard that what was going to take place. And they were able to escape the city of Iconium. But then they went into Lystra. And if you don't know this, this is where Paul was stoned and dragged out of the city because they thought he was dead. Until his disciples came around him and the Bible says he just got right back up and went back into the city. Now, these are some of the persecutions that Paul was talking about here. But yet God had delivered him from all of them. Now, Sometimes God will prevent you from going somewhere or or, or getting to a place where he knows you're going to be harmed. You know, um, you know, you, 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 you're going to work, you're running behind, you know, and, and so you're rushing to get dressed, you're rushing out of the house, you get in your car. You're driving real fast because you know you've got to get there. Now, you're going to be late anyways, but you're trying to get there anyways until you run into someone who's not as in a rush as you are. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So you're driving, and this guy in front of you has no idea that you've got to be somewhere at a certain time. He doesn't understand how you have to hurry up and, and get there. He doesn't understand that your job is on the line. (laughs) 
And let's be honest, it's probably one of the most aggravating moments of your life. It's, it, it, it's so aggravating that it can cause a Christian to get in the flesh. It can cause a Christian to momentarily lose his salvation. But could it be that maybe God is stalling you and preventing you from any danger that he sees coming? My wife reminds me that every time we drive and every time we stand behind somebody and I'm saying, man, what is God? Why is this guy driving so slow? And my wife says, well, honey, maybe God is trying to protect you. So God will prevent things from happening and keep you from getting to a situation where he knows you're going to get harmed. So he can rescue you from certain things. But God can also rescue you while you're going through some things. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And when the king looked down, he didn't see three, but he saw four. The fourth one was an angel. That angel came to deliver the three Hebrew boys while they were in the fire. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In Psalm 23, verse 4, it says this. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. If God allows you to go through it, God will go through it with you. Amen? Amen. In Isaiah 43, verse 2 says this. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. He says, And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. If God cannot prevent you from going through stuff, He will help you to get through the stuff. And while you're going through the stuff, He's there to strengthen you, to encourage you, to help you to get to the other side victoriously. Amen. And unharmed. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? So God can rescue you from things, but he can also rescue you through things. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 while you're still in 2 Timothy. Go to the next chapter. Beginning in verse 17, Paul says this. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, let me just say this. Just maybe a few verses before that, Paul began to talk about some of the men, some of his colleagues, his co-workers who had abandoned him. But he said this. He said, but yet the Lord stood with me. Everyone may have left me. But God did not leave me. He stayed with me. He stuck with me. And he strengthened me through the process. Why? So that the message of the gospel can be preached. And so that the Gentiles can hear the gospel being preached. You see, God is not going to let anything interfere with his purpose. He called them to preach the gospel and he made sure the gospel was preached. If it meant God coming down and staying by him and rescuing him and getting through that... God will do that. Verse 18 says, And the Lord will deliver 
me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. So you can hear the confidence being displayed by the Apostle Paul. How he rescued him through all kinds of stuff that he knew that no matter what he faced ahead, he knew that God was going to show up and rescue him as well. So that's the secret of Paul's ministry. It was his faith and confidence of his deliverer. Now, some of you, and again, I don't know where any of you are as far as your spiritual life is concerned. But some of you may be going through some very difficult times. Some of you may be in an impossible situation. And some of you feel that maybe, maybe some of you have given up and feel like there's no hope. But what's encouraging is this. With God, oh man. Amen. Some of you feel that it's over. But with God, it's never over unless he says it's over. Amen. Do you hear what I just said? Yeah. Whatever it is that you're going through, God has something to say about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. God has something to say about it. You know, you know, when you're raising children and you find out that your children is being picked on, as parents, we're not going to let that happen. As parents, we're going to have something to say about it. Amen. We're going to talk to this kid. We're going to talk to the kid's parents. We're going to find out. We're going to nip this in the bud. We'll get, we've got something to say about this. Because no one's going to mess with our kids. That's how God feels about us. Amen. That's how he feels about us. He's got something to say about your situation. Go to Daniel chapter 6. You all know this story. Daniel in the lion's den, a very popular story, nice, nice Bible story for the kids to read, but it's, it's a nice Bible story for adults to read too. <clears throat> and you know, of course, the story goes is that Daniel <clears throat> was conspired against. These men didn't like Daniel, so they figured, you know, the only way they can get him is, is, is to come up with some law, talk the king into making this law where nobody can worship anyone for a whole month. Now, because they knew how faithful Daniel was, they knew they had him. And so one day, Daniel was doing what he always does. Prays three times a day, every day. When the window's wide open, doesn't care who heard him, who saw him, and he prayed. And when they saw that, they reported it to the king. But when the king found out who it was, the king was grieved. Because you see, the king really was fond of Daniel. But because he made this law, he could not reverse it. So the penalty was to be thrown into the lion's den. And so we pick up in verse 16. It says, So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I mean, that's a prophetic word. Put yourself in Daniel's position. You're being lowered into the lion's den. You finally hit the ground at the bottom of the den. They pull up the rope. And you look around and all of a sudden these lions just stands up. They get their attention. Their lips, they're, they're, they're licking their lips. They're smelling the air. It's something, dinner's here. And then look at what it says in verse 17. Then a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. 
And the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, watch this, so that no one could rescue Daniel. This royal seal, which is an impression made on clay by, by an image of a, of, of a ring, and that image signified the person who's, the power and authority of that person who owns that ring. And the reason why it was done is so that everyone that saw that seal will know that 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 stone was not to be tampered with in an effort to free Daniel. And even though the king did this reluctantly, the seal from his royal ring and from the ring of the nobles made sure that Daniel's situation could not change. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like things are not going to change? What causes great distress, despair, and hopelessness in a person's life is when they believe that nothing is going to change in their situation. That's when a person comes to a place of despair and hopelessness. When they, don't, they can't see any way out of this. When it comes to Daniel, it appeared that it was all over for him. When they closed that stone and put that seal, it, did, it seemed like his circumstances was not going to change. Look at verse 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and he hurried out to the lion's den. Verse 20 says, and when he got there, he called out in anguish. Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? You see, the king ran over there hoping that Daniel was alive. He wanted to know if this God that Daniel served so faithfully was powerful enough to stop the lions from eating him up and delivering him. In verse 21, we find the answer. And Daniel answered and said, long live the king. My God <laughs> sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and have not wronged you, your majesty. Then the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den and not a scratch was found on him. For he had trusted in his God, his deliverer. Glory to God. And like Daniel, so many of us find ourselves, find ourselves in a situation where we have no choice but to trust in a deliverer. Have you ever been there? You've been through a situation and you have no other choice but to trust him because there's nothing more you can trust. There's nothing else you can trust except God. And I remember when my wife and I, we went through an experience as, as a young couple and there was nothing that we can do. And all we could do was trust God. And we spent time, <clears throat> days in crying out to God. Lord, when is this over? Lord, how long? And we see God deliver. We see God pr- make provisions supernaturally. Sometimes we find our place, uh, ourselves in a place where we have to trust God. And we need to trust God. 
But when it comes to Daniel, the king was so overjoyed. I think the king was more happy than Daniel. He was so overjoyed that he began to testify about this wonderful God whose rescue operation was so successful. Look in verse 26. He says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. And steadfast forever, his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. Look at 27. He delivers and rescues. And he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Hallelujah. God is our deliverer who has the power over any situation in your life. There is no other power on earth that can resist God. So don't ever think that your situation is to a point where it's so impossible that God can rescue you. God can rescue you because he knows how. And he sees the way to do it. So why don't you just trust him? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You may be out here by 10 o'clock. Go to Psalm 119. I'm just going to skip down. Psalm 119. God does deliver. And we know that because he promised that he would. Psalm 119 in verse 170 says this. Let my supplication come before you. He says, deliver me. According to your word. Well, what does that mean? According to your word. It means that God gave his word that he his promise that he would deliver us in Psalm 138 verse two. He says that God magnifies his word above his name. He also says in Exodus chapter six, verse five, which we read earlier, where he said that God remembered his covenant. In other words, God remembered the promise that he made to his children. So when the Lord speaks, he watches over his word to make sure it comes to pass. The Bible says that his word does not come back to him void, but he said it will accomplish what he pleases and prosper wherever he sends it. So God promised to be our rescuer. He says in Exodus 6, 6 I will bring you out. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. Notice he didn't say John is going to redeem you. He didn't say Dave was going to deliver you. He didn't say that Pastor Ray was going to rescue you. He said God, our deliverer, our, our rescuer, he is the one who's going to deliver you. Go to Psalm 34. God not only promised to deliver us from our troubles, but he also promised to deliver us from all of our troubles. Psalm 34 verse 17 says this. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. Look down to verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And if we remember back in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 11, where Paul says, What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me every day of our lives we face some sort of challenge some sort of trial sometimes they come unexpectedly sometimes we know they're coming and sometimes they become unbearable 
and stressful and hard to deal with. But God says, I will deliver them out of them all. Man, I tell you, if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. Uh, But I love Psalm 34 because it's so encouraging because it reminds us that when the enemy comes, when difficult circumstances come, when trials come, when temptations come, when stress comes, when, when hopelessness and despair comes, when all of these things come to us or at us like a flood, all you need to do is simply trust in the rescuer. All you need to know is, all you have to do is simply cry out to him. And God is getting a rescue operation going. He's putting it together and he's getting ready to to rescue, to send a rescue team. Whether it's angels, whether it's through someone else or through circumstances. However God does it, it doesn't matter. I don't care. As long as he rescues me. But God will rescue you from whatever situation you're in. Go into uh, Psalm 91. Glory to God, man. Look at the time. Praise God. <laughs> psalm 91. Is, now, this is one of uh, a very popular psalm and, of course, one of our favorite psalms. My wife and I used to have our children recite it. Psalm 91 says this in verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Look down in verse 14. Because he sent his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Verse 15. And he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. Glory to God. You know, God will send an angel if he chooses or he'll send a host of angels to keep you and to protect you. And to deliver you. But however God does it. He's committed to rescuing you. And he'll do whatever it takes. Did you hear what I said? He'll do whatever it takes. God is faithful. Oh my goodness. Thank you John. I think God God sent John over to be my rescuer here. Go to Exodus chapter 6. If you remember when we read in 2 Corinthians 1.10 where Paul says that God delivered us from so great a death and does deliver in whom we trust and he will deliver us. What Paul is simply saying was this, that the same God that delivered him from his past struggles is the same God that continues to deliver him from his current struggles. And he knows that he will continue to deliver him in any struggles that he knows may come ahead. How many of you know that there may be trials coming around the corner at you? Say, we don't know that, but God does. And so in Exodus chapter 6, it says in verse 6, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the bond- burdens of Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. In other words, the same God that we read in Exodus is the same God that delivers today. 
Understand that God has been doing this for thousands of years. And, you know, and here's the thing. God is no respect of persons. If he does for one, he will do for the other. You know, if you have children, you don't go to the store and buy a toy or a, or a candy for one child. You buy for all the children, right? Because you don't want to leave any of your kids left out. I mean, you don't want to just favor one over the other. God does the same with us. What he does for one, he'll do for you. So if God blesses them, will not God bless us? If God protected them, will God not protect us? If God delivered them, will God not deliver us? It's the same God. The scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why, doesn't he, why can't he deliver us today? The Bible says he's the God that he changes not. Boy, I'm glad of that. Okay, I'm in the final lap. <clears throat> I'm close to the finish line. Now, there are many stories that we read about great rescue operations throughout the world, throughout history. But none is greater and none can compare to the greatest rescue operation in all the world. And that is found in John 3.16, if you go there. John 3.16. And you know, the, you know the verse that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, God's plan of salvation is his rescue operation to rescue us from our sins. Love is the motivation of his rescue mission. And Jesus was God's plan for our rescue. He is the rescue team. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Verse 21 says this, And she will bring forth a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, the word save is the Greek word soso, which has multiple meanings. It means deliverance, protection, healing, wholeness, preservation, salvation. And he sent Jesus to provide us with that. And this mission was planned long before the foundation of the world. As a matter of fact, 700 years before Jesus' birth, Isaiah prophesied that a Messiah was coming to save the world. So you see, the rescue operation was already in motion. Now go to Luke chapter 4, and we'll close with this. Luke chapter 4. Jesus, when Jesus became an adult, he was baptized in water, was filled with the Holy Ghost... And then he was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And after he overcame the temptations of the devil, the Bible says he came to the city full of power and full of the Holy Ghost. And then he went, entered into the synagogue, and there he began his mission, his rescue mission. There he began to explain what his mission was. And in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 it says this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, 
and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are lost. Part of Jesus' rescue mission was to preach deliverance to the captives. A captive is someone who is a prisoner, someone who is in bondage, someone who's held against his will. And there are many different types of captivity. There is a spiritual captivity. There is an emotional captivity. There is a, a mental captivity. There's a captivity of the flesh. When, you have, when there's bad behavior, bad habits, uh, bad attitudes, lust and desires of the flesh. There's also captivity of, of sickness and disease. Captivity of, 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 uh, of poverty and lack, of fear, of rejection. There are many different types of captivity. Part of Jesus' rescue plan is to deliver us from all the things that capture, that capture us. If there's something in your life that has got you a hold of you, that has holds you hostage, know that Jesus already came to deliver you from that. So you should not be captive at all. You should be free because he's already provided that. So we need to walk as free men and as free women because of what God has done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And unfortunately, I have to end right here. <laughs> I better not do that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've done and all, everything you continue to do for us. Thank you, Father God, for setting us free. Thank you, Father God, that you are a rescuer. Thank you, Father God, for, for throwing a lifeline, Lord God, to rescue us from every situation in our lives. Father, there's nothing impossible that can hold us. Nothing, Father God, that is difficult that will keep us captive because you are our deliverer. You are our rescuer. And, Father, we thank you. And, Lord, we pray, Father God, that everyone here tonight, Father God, will be set free from anything that has held them hostage. Father, we thank you, Father, for setting them free, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that they're no longer captive, but they're free. And so, Father, we thank you for delivering them. Thank you for breakthroughs in their lives. Thank you, Father God, for breaking the strongholds and tearing strongholds from their lives. And Lord, we thank you, Father. We can cry out to you and know that you'll come to our aid, that you'll come to our rescue. And Lord, for this we thank you. In your precious Son's name we pray. Amen.